Stella Belafonte here, and thank you for joining me at my table on this Tuesday for another tasty top pick. We're going to have an appetizer because I'm greedy. Then there's the main course, which is what brought you here in the first place. And we'll end things with a sweet dessert. Boy, have I ever. I hope you're hungry. Enjoy. I can't win no Vicky secret with all this coochie I got on me. <laughs> hey, tasters. Welcome to another Tasty Topic Tuesday. Late, but I'm here better late than never. Well, um, speaking about coochie and Vicky secret, <laughs> that is my girl Sukiana, the GOAT. She just dropped this song called Grinch, and I love it. It's so messy and raunchy. And it makes me laugh because I remember when it was a thing to talk about how little your stuff was. And I can remember thinking, um, I ain't never had no little twice. <laughs> you know, as far as I know, like, as in my Delta, I don't mean wide and stretched out. Let me make that clear. I know you are like, damn, she jumping right in late and jumping in talking about twats. I never had this little tiny coochie. Like, I re really remember being the person that when I put on a bathing suit, especially like in my teens, I would feel nervous because I felt like, you know, my peach would like pop out on the sides or whatever. No matter what size I was, even when I dropped weight, you know what? Hmm. That's another topic for another day. There was a point in my life a few years back where I had gotten really lean. And you know what? That area actually gets lean too. So I guess, well, I would say the heavier the weight, the heavier the the, the beach. But, you know, it's some women out here that's on the slim side claiming to have heavy peaches. Or not slim, slim thick. But anyway, <laughs> tasters, welcome to Tasty Topic Tuesday. And I'm so proud of myself because... um. We're going to jump right into my mentals, my mentals. I've been feeling like overwhelmed lately. I just feel like I've gotten to a point in recent weeks or months even where it's never a day or two days that's about me. Everything is a need or a deadline to be met, especially regarding my car. I'm sure tasters, you all are so fucking sick and hearing about my car, but it was like a really big deal. And my car is still in the shop. Thank God I have a car to drive in the meantime, but that shit that happened with my vehicle really like, it just, it messed me up. Like it's still in the shop. They thought that everything was complete with the repairs and the mechanics realized that there was more damage. With the wiring, with my lights, like, really, like, I just wish that I could just leave here sometimes. I'm serious, like, just jump up and just leave the U.S. and just go. And and just stay for as long as I need to and come back when I feel like it. Or maybe come back never. But that's where I'm at it, at it, at with it, with my mentals. Look, I can't even fucking talk because I'm just so... Yeah, mentally, I just feel drained. That's the word. And no, I'm not going to come up here every week to complain, but I am com coming on every week to 
keep it a buck with my listeners. And I want to thank you all for listening. Again, ever since I was a guest on Heart of Soft Podcast with Tahoe and Lama and Loon, I have gained a new following and more listeners. And I appreciate you all so much. So anyway, let's jump into an appetizer since I'm so greedy. Um, it's my day off. Look, <laughs> one day to myself. And um, but yeah, my, my phone's been ringing off the hook with bullshit. Ugh. So this morning when I came in, I actually stopped and got doubles at a trendy spot by me that's going to remain nameless because, again, just like a spot that I named before that had good food, the service in there sucks. The people are nasty. They're evil. They're me. Hey, what's with all of these nasty people serving up all of this delicious food? Like, why is that going hand in hand lately? The worse the attitude, the better the taste. I get doubles from this spot by me. Again, it's going to remain nameless. And I, I got to admit, they used to be better. But they're still pretty damn good. And this double spot opens very early in the morning. They put on that neon open sign in the window at about 6.30 a.m. And they close up shop every day around 2. So get there early. Um, It's not like it used to be back in the days in the old location when the line was around the corner. But it, it can get, the crowd can get pretty heavy. But I got there this morning right after work, maybe about 6.30, and I got two doubles with, um, I'm so greedy, I got doubles this morning with corned beef and chickpeas, which the Trinity's called chana and pepper, and I think I had a little okra on it too, and when I tell you good, oh, it was so good, so good, so good. But um, that's one of my favorites, and or I'll get doubles with the saltfish. Well, codfish, but you know, Trinis call it saltfish. I remember one day going into that spot asking for a bacon codfish, and this West Indian man behind me behind me corrects me and goes, "No, it's not codfish. It's saltfish." I said, "My man, what do you think saltfish is?" It's the cod. Mind your business. I mean, I didn't say mind your business, but that's how I felt. Listen. Let me put it out there. I ain't no West Indian, and I'm not going to pretend to be. I'm not going to use words that I don't know or that I didn't grow up saying. I didn't grow up eating saltfish. I grew up eating codfish, which is what the saltfish is. I didn't grow up eating chana. I grew up eating chickpeas. Well, I didn't even eat chickpeas in my house. But when I saw chickpeas, I didn't call it chana. So don't expect me to come into any Caribbean establishment with um asking for Caribbean things in a Caribbean accent using Caribbean slang because I ain't from the Caribbean. Well, anyway, Enough about that. That's that appetizer. And today is Tuesday. You know what? I am going to treat myself. I am going to make it Taco Tuesday. So I'm looking on Seamless. Oh, my God. I probably need to just go outside and just drive somewhere, but I don't feel like it. And there's this spot in bed on Tompkins Avenue called Warud. You should look them up. Oh, Warud is just so groovy. They serve. Well, you can't miss it. When you go on Tompkins Avenue in bed the signage is an upside-down McDonald's symbol. Instead of the M, they turn it into a W for Waru. It's like the Golden Arch is turned upside down. And they got some of the best tacos. They serve beers. You know what? I might just shit. I might even take a walk, depending on how I feel. Because it's really, really within walking distance of me. Maybe I'll wait until it gets a little dark out. 
take a little leisurely stroll. That's it. City girl, you hear the sirens? That's what you get when you're trying to record your tasty top pick in the big city. You get sirens. Let's let's talk about the tasters. What's coming next? You got sirens, maybe an airplane, a helicopter, the blades to start spinning while I'm trying to record. But, um, yeah, that's my greediness. So, um, everybody knows, well, everyone who knows Stella Belafonte knows that I do have a great love for food. That's, that's my thing. You know, it's not that food is happiness for me, but it's definitely a comfort. And I really, um, I look forward to eating because I'm greedy. So, yeah, check out Waru when you get a chance. If you're ever in Brooklyn and you haven't had doubles before, you need to check out the spot that I mentioned, you know, let's have a, a, a contest to see if you can figure out the place I was talking about without me naming it the double spot. If you think you know it, tasters, um, send me an email to msironbox at gmail.com. That's msironbox at gmail.com. The first person who can guess where I go get my doubles from, you know what? I got a little gift for you. So just send me MsIronbox at gmail.com. Let me know if you know the double spot that I'm talking about. Anyway, right on time for the Halloween season. Tasters, let's talk about Dama. Have you all been watching this Dama series? Netflix dropped a jewel on us. Ten episodes and I knocked out all ten in about three days. I started watching Dama Sunday night and I finished it last night. And you know what? It was it was all right. I, first of all, let me just explain to you the love affair tasters that I've had with the horror genre since I was a child. And yes, the Dama story is a horror. Serial killers, ghosts and goblins, monsters, Mass murderers that chop people up and put them in ditches. That is all horror. I have been a horror buff since I was a child. Let's go way back, back in the time, in my Sophia Petrillo voice. Picture it, Brooklyn, 1980-something. It was a family member of mine who went on a European vacation. They went and stayed in London in the early 80s, and they visited Madame Tussauds' House of Horror. And they actually came back with the catalog, you know, the, the photo album from Madame Tussauds. And I was so intrigued. I was a little girl, but when I tell you I poured over the imagery in that photo album for hours, like most little kids would sit and read a storybook like that. Madame Tussauds photo album from their House of Horrors was my storybook. That shit was just so intriguing to me. And they would show like all of those ancient, well, is that ancient times? Well, you know, the old, old era practices of executions. Ooh, they were some gruesome motherfuckers back in medieval Europe. Yeah, during those days, the guillotine and they had the rack where they would lay you out. And stretch you out until your bones pop and you die. They had this other torture device in the magazine where they put like a tool around your neck and squeeze until your circulation is cut off and then you die. So yeah, I've been a horror buff from way back. And also Tay says, I'm going to give a little um, info about myself. 
I had a parent who felt that because I like horror that I should enjoy reading horror too. And I don't want to give away my age because I don't want people to think that I'm lying or capping or exaggerating. But I had a lot of shit happen to me early. And basically this parent of mine was dropping Stephen King novels in my lap when I was still in elementary school. Yeah. So I was reading full Stephen King books. Again, the way most kids would be reading books of fairy tales and short stories. So once, you know, all of these slasher movies and shit happened, I was ready for them. And I wasn't afraid. I was addicted to shows like The Twilight Zone, Tales from the Dark Side. How many of you all remember Tales from the Dark Side? Remember the beginning, the intro was so scary. And I really used to just stay up late on the weekends. Because, you know, most black kids, we didn't have to go to bed early on the weekends. You know, you did what you're supposed to do all week. You did your homework. You didn't get in trouble in school. You, 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 you stayed away from whippings. When the weekend came, didn't your parents and your grandparents just let you just enjoy yourself? And I was the kid that stayed up late. After Saturday Night Live, waiting for tales from the dark side. So anyway, back to Dama. It was really interesting. For all of you tasters who aren't old enough to notice the story of Jeffrey Dama. Jeffrey Dama was what a young white man who decided that he was just going to kill people. It was a pastime to him. He was seriously disturbed. He was definitely troubled. He was out of his mind. And um, he was killing men, mainly men of non-white backgrounds. I don't like that word minority because I feel like, how is it a, a minority when there are so many non-whites in the world? So he had a knack for killing non-white he killed one or two whites in his early years but he was mostly killing blacks asians and one or two i think native americans or latinos and um killing them in some of the most gruesome and brutal ways from his teenage years all the way until his adulthood when he was finally caught and arrested and the reason why i was so intrigued i can remember when jeffrey Dahmer was doing his thing when this man was arrested in the early 90s, I was in about maybe the eighth grade. So I wasn't a baby. And I can remember they dubbed him the Milwaukee Cannibal. I remember Chuck D from Public Enemy even talked about him in the song. Remember he said a lot of something like, eh, call me an animal. But in Milwaukee, there's a cannibal. In the story, it just had the world on edge. It was like, yo, this is some wow shit. And when he was arrested in the early 90s, they showed actual footage of them bringing like drums and crates and refrigerators out of this motherfucker's house. Tasted Jeffrey Dahmer was killing people. He was drugging them because apparently his goal was to start a nation of zombies. That's how you know the man was out of his mind. And it wasn't working. So instead of these people becoming zombies, they would lay doped up and drugged up in his apartment for a while until they died. And once they died, he would chop them into pieces and just make them into meals. He was wrapping them up, putting them in the freezer. And the thing is, oh my God, Taster's one of the wildest parts of the Jeffrey Dahmer story is they were talking about the foul odor that was coming from his apartment, just wafting through the whole neighborhood. And neighbors complained about him 
for years and years and not years. Well, enough years. I would say about a year or two and nothing was done about it. Like he just got away with it. Honestly, what I liked about this Jeffrey Dahmer documentary, this series, they focused on his white privilege because this is definitely not the first Jeffrey Dahmer story that I've seen. It's probably about the third, but this one really got deep into the fact that he was entitled. He was spoiled outside of being troubled. His family allowed a lot of his bullshit. You know, when I first heard Jeffrey Dahmer's story back in the days and I did my research because, again, I am a horror buff. I'm into all of it. Serial killers, mass murders, everything. The way they told his father, Lionel Dahmer's story, I used to actually sympathize with his father. Now I have absolutely no sympathy for Lionel Dahmer. You knew your child was a nutcase. And he actually allowed Jeffrey to live with his elderly grandmother, who he terrorized. His grandmother, even though, you know, I felt sorry for her in a way, but this movie put a shed a different light on her too. Grandma wasn't really an angel. You know, instead of her being focused on the fact that her grandson was wild and crazy and doing shit in her house, that was making it smell like death. She was more concerned with whether or not he was a homosexual and that he had black friends. Like there's a scene in the fucking movie where she walks in and she sees a black boy drugged out on the couch. And the first thing out of her mouth is, oh, Jeffrey, I didn't know you had black friends. <laughs> like damn granny, that's your beef. But um, it was really wild. I'm not going to do any spoilers, but it was actually really good. And again, I like that they focused on the racist bullshit of it all down to the police, the judges, the attorneys. I hadn't real. I didn't realize that Jeffrey Dahmer before his final arrest and conviction had been arrested on more than one occasion. I thought that that one arrest was the big one. He had actually been arrested for menacing sexual assault and let go. So this man was just allowed to roam Milwaukee, Wisconsin freely. Look, in the urban areas, basically the hood, the ghetto, and he got away with it because according to him, and these are his own words, he felt that attacking minorities was easier because nobody would really come look for them. That there would not be, you know, no all points bulletin looking for any of these missing young black and Hispanic men. And he frequented black, you know, bathhouses. That was a thing back in the days. They're not really um a thing anymore, or at least not as sleazy as they were back in the days. I still am intrigued by the fact that they even had shit like that. Gay bathhouses where mostly men were allowed to just go to these clubs that had hot tubs in different rooms and just um get it in. You know, that 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 really was that was some wild shit. <laughs> and um as far as the Jeffrey Dahmer incident, well, incidents are concerned, what made it even more intriguing to me, and I think the reason why the world was so shook, around about that same time, the movie Silence of the Lambs came out. So it's like we already done seen a movie where we done got hooked on Hannibal Lecter talking about eating people's livers with fava beans and a nice Chianti. 
And then a real life Hannibal Lecter gets arrested for doing the same type of mess. And it's like, oh my God. But anyway, if you haven't gotten into Dama, get into it. It's a wild ride. Some of the scenes are very graphic. But you know what I do appreciate? Like they said, the graphic scenes weren't gratuitous. They weren't really going for shock value. Like when they did get graphic, it was like, because it had to be explained this way. This is what happened and we had to show it. So shout out to the directors, to my girl Niecy Nash. Kudos to the actor who played Jeffrey Dama. I do not know this why man's name but he did a hell of a job and um they're gonna make me update my glasses too my eyeglasses you know they call them serial killers I got a pair of gazelles that I actually bought specifically because they look like the what they call the serial killer type eyewear serial killers when you look back a lot of them actually wore some pretty cool eyeglasses go figure right and um, again, I've always been a horror buff. I'm looking forward to the Halloween season this year because I've been invited to a few things. I'm going on a pub crawl, a black pub crawl called Boo Crawl. And it's run by the page me and somebody's son. Tasters, if you don't follow this page on Instagram, you should. It's a wonderful page. It's about black love and romance. And what people do is submit themselves, pictures of themselves in different um, aspects on vacation, out on dates, lying in bed, just being together, couples photos, and they stamp the photos, me, somebody's son. So this page, again, beautiful page. There's having a pub crawl. They're doing it in DC and in Brooklyn, New York. This is going to be their first time in Brooklyn. So me and a couple of my people's got tickets and I'm really excited because I love a good pub crawl as much. Ooh, next to eating, I like to drink too. I love a good cocktail. And if you all haven't gotten tickets for any of my Brooklyn tasters, look online. Me and somebody's son, if you want to hang out, I'm going to be in group three. And I'm looking forward to getting a little done up. I do want to put on a bit of a costume. That's something that I haven't done since I couldn't even tell you tasters. Let me tell you, when I was a little girl, Halloween was a big deal for me. I really grew up in, I'm a 70s baby who had, you know, I grew up in the 80s. And Halloween was heavy for us, especially in Brooklyn. We were really the kids that went trick-or-treating. Yes, we was the begging, screaming kids, ringing your bell, knocking on your door, getting done up, wearing our plastic mask. But who tastes I have got some Halloween um, traumas that I'd like to discuss. Trauma number one. When I was a little girl, I had on a costume. And I was a bit on the heavy side. Back in the days... Tasters, if you can remember all my 70s and 80s babies, costumes were made of rubber and plastic. So you had a plastic mask with a strap around the back for your head so it could stay on your face. And they would give you, it was like a one-piece romper costume, one-size-fit-all. Well, I wasn't a one-size-fit-all kid. I was short and fat and wide, um, like the little teapot. And I'll never forget one year when I was very, very young, I put on my costume. My grandparents helped me get dressed and it was a Halloween party that a neighbor was having across the street from my house. And when I put on the costume, all I heard was rip, zip, zip, rip. Tasters, my fat ass was busting. 
out of my costume. And I'll never forget, I just stood and started crying. And my grandfather felt so sorry for me. <laughs> he said, don't cry. You know what my grandfather did? He got a roll of duct tape. <laughs> and he started to duct tape all of the ribs in my costume. And I went to that Halloween party with my duct tape costume. And I sat in the corner for a little while crying. And then I got over it. Nobody made fun of me. Nobody said anything. And we had a good time. Then there was another incident. Because I went to Catholic school and Catholic church for a while. You know, Catholic elementary school for a while before I ended up in public school. And either way, I went to Catholic church every weekend, every Sunday. St. Peter Claver, I'm going to sh shout him out if these walls could talk. And um, they were big on Halloween. You know, one thing I would say to Catholic church, that is one pagan holiday that they are really into. And they had some of the best Halloween celebrations for the kids. That was the one time where they let go some of their restrictions and let it let us kids just enjoy ourselves. So anyway, again, because I'm such a big horror fanatic, as young as I was, I was into Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Who don't know about Elvira with her big, shiny, black Peggy Bundy wig and her boobs out and her white makeup and black dresses? Anyway... And an Elvira costume that year. I didn't wear the white face makeup, but I did wear the black lipstick, the black wig, and the black dress. And there was a costume contest. I don't know. Back in the days, they were always pitting kids against each other. Everything was a competition. And it was a best costume contest. And I remember winning a prize. And the priest who announced me, this was a black priest. I'm going to call you out, Father Jarvis. Father Jarvis from St. Peter Claver had no idea who I was supposed to be. He couldn't tell if I was a witch or what, but I guess he had no idea about the character Elvira. And when he stood me up to announce that I was one of the winners, he said, and then we have Stella as uh, Lady of the Night's. That's what he called me. Yeah, Father Jarvis, you called me a lady of the night. So even back then, you stamped Stella Belavante. So I didn't cry about it because I didn't know to cry about it. I remember that um, my parent was mortified. She didn't know whether to laugh or clutch her pearls. It was like, the fuck out of here, lady of the night. And she just laughed it off with, along with the other parents and me and my lady of the night costume Went back to bobbing for apples. <laughs> so anyway, that's enough about Halloween. So what brings us to the table today, tasters? Well, we already spoke about cannibalism. So let's talk about um, sexual cannibalism. Turning men into meat. No, that, that's just a joke. That was a play on words. Um, when I was on the Heart of Soft podcast, there were a few comments in the post because what Tahoe does is before he actually publishes the entire episode, he'll publish clips. And I like that. I got to start doing that. When I start doing video outside of just my audio, I want to post clips because they're so exciting and they get everybody, you know, hyped up for what's to come. And, um, if you all don't know, go to Heart of Soft Podcast. Title of the episode is 
Steve Harvey could never. And he posted some clips and there were one or two comments on the post because the post was about oral sex. And the question was, how do you worship a penis? And I gave my take on it. I gave the very detailed explanation on what I do when it comes to penis worship, if you will. And if you want to know what I said, you can go on Instagram, the Heart of Sword podcast. You can go on Spotify, Apple, all the streaming platforms. And you can listen to what Stella Belafonte had to say about penis worship. And um, there were a couple of women in the comments who got on me. One lady said, and I quote, as I look, I see that she's not wearing a ring. I guess all of them are gone by now, laughing out loud. I guess, you know, all the men in my life. And then another person said, again, with all of that, she better be married. <laughs> and it just made me laugh because I'm thinking to myself, you know, are we city girls? Are we competing uh, for the Miss Kojic title in a, in a, in a pageant, you know? Church of God in Christ, because I, you know, I, I just thought that we lived in this sexually free society where, you know, it, you want to be a hot girl, a city girl and so liberated. Where is it said? And I mentioned this in a comment because I had to respond. I didn't respond to the women individually, but where is it said that you have to wait until you're married to enjoy yourself sexually? Or to express your sexual needs. Why is everything about marriage in a ring? And I got into a discussion with one of my homegirls about it. It's like, you know, so you're, I have a question, Tasters. Are you only supposed to have good and great sex where you can be free and be yourself? After you got married or do you only give good and great sex to a man after he's put an engagement ring on your finger and said that he's going to marry you? Is that what a lot of you women are doing? I just need to know. I'm not judging because those two women, the only reason why they stopped is because people in the comments jumped all over them. Like what? Who you think you are? Why is everything about marriage? But I want to hear from the women who believe this. Does that work? Like, do you feel good about just um, holding yourselves back sexually until you got a ring on it? I just imagine that that must be a very boring life to only do things sexually for a man's pleasure, especially after a certain age or to secure some sort of bag or a ring. Let me tell you something. I do like the idea of marriage and I am marriage minded tasters, but I'll be goddamn if I'm going to have basic sex where I'm acting like a fucking prude or a half-assed virgin because I'm afraid to show a man what I'm really working with and some of my best sexual self because he hasn't put a ring on me. I'm not doing that. Again, like I said, how boring life must be to only do things for the love of a man or for a man's pleasure. I can't live like that, tasters. When I fuck, I want to feel good. 
When I suck, I do it because I want to experience the thrill of pleasing my partner, as they call it today. I feel that we should both be enjoying ourselves. No matter what I'm doing to you or you doing to me, it's got to feel good. And if it don't feel good, I ain't interested. And I'm not, I mean, just this goal. Like, to me, sex, to me, when you start talking about you better have a ring on and you better be married, that's when sex becomes a job. It becomes a chore. And to me, you know, people are so judgmental talking about rings and being married. But I feel like once sex becomes a chore or something that you're doing to earn compensation for, isn't that the same as solicitation, a.k.a. prostitution? How is it not? And I noticed that a lot of judgmental women who love to look down their noses at women like myself who enjoy ourselves freely sexually, these are the things that they say. You better have a ring. You better be getting a ring. You better be married. So again, that is a payment. You feel that a ring and a marriage is a payment. So what makes you better than a prostitute? And I'm not knocking prostitutes. I just want to know what is the real difference. So I, I just thought that was really crazy. But yeah, tasters, like I have, I'm 45 years old. Again, this is something that I talk about my age. I don't have time to be acting, again, like I said, like some halfway virgin or like I'm new to sex out here or lying to men, telling them what I don't do and what I won't do. Like, is that what you do? Like, I'm just speaking to my women who feel that you should only do certain things when a ring is involved. Do you just, is it like a jack-in-the-box, like surprise, ding, 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 you know, wind me up and then boom, I'm just going to explode with all of this wonderful sexuality. Is that what happens? Not saying that I do everything. Like, I am going to be honest, Tasis, there are certain things that I feel is sacred for marriage. I'm not just out here just letting men just tear me to shreds. You know what I'm saying? I'm not having sex with sexual Jeffrey Dahmer's, you know, but I do enjoy myself. And there are things that I'm not going to hold back on. Now, let's talk about some of the things that I feel, just in my opinion, for myself is sacred. Um, When it comes to sexuality, I'm not an anal person. I the man who I let fuck me up my butt, God bless you. You are definitely the winner because um I ain't into that shit. I definitely, I, it's just not for me. And I feel like maybe that's something that I can explore with the man that I marry. But right now, <laughs> that is not for me. But I'm not knocking women who are brave enough to handle anal sex. When I say brave tasters, I mean it because um, I feel like unless women are out here getting screwed up the butt by men that got real tiny penises, God bless you because um, sex up the butt is very, I, I just can't handle it. It's just not for me. But again, not knocking it. I just, for me, that's something I'm going to hold off 
on until marriage. And hopefully I'm praying the man that I marry ain't into that. And if he is, you know, it's something we're going to have to work through. But I'm not knocking women who choose to do it now. Tastes, I'm actually intrigued by women who say that they enjoy anal sex and that a dick up the butt makes them come. I actually envy women like that because I've not experienced that. I don't know the feeling, but I'm not going to knock a woman for saying that she does know the feeling and that she embraces it and craves it. And I also don't feel like, well, you better have a big old ring on your finger. And you know what? I noticed that secretly from the sidelines, a lot of women who talk about what you better have they're not married. You'll be shocked by how many women are really just common law. They're not even married on paper, just living together, shacking up. Or you got couples that been together so long that you just start assuming that they're married or you don't even talk about it anymore. So <laughs> God bless those women. But I feel like let's not be so judgmental. And speaking of judgmental, I was accused of being judgmental for a moment in the Heart of Soft podcast, because a gentleman that we were on the panel with mentioned that every time he goes on a date, it always ends in sex. And forgive me, tasters, because I made mention of the fact that I said, well, damn, what kind of holes are you fucking? Yeah, that was me being judgmental. And somebody made a comment that it's not about the women being hoes. That's actually a testament to who he is as a person that he feels that every first date to be successful must end in sex. And, you know, I just thought about it the other way around. I'm just like, so every woman that you go out with just feels that she needs to give it up on the first night in order to please you. And maybe I shouldn't have said hoes, but that's really how I felt at the time, because I felt like, again, when you're moving like that, you Definitely got to be doing it to please a man. And that is one thing that I want us to get away from sexually. Tasters, this is to all my women. All of this sexual performance and craziness and cap and post just to please men and outdo each other. Let's take it back to the essence, what sex is really about. Besides procreation, you're supposed to be out here trying to feel good. Learn your body, tasters. What makes you come? What makes your body tremble? What gives you that soft giggle between your legs? What gives your body that loud laugh? Because to me, that's what sex should be about. I mean, if you get a ring and all of that as a result, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But I don't, I wouldn't put all of that on sex. I've even had men tell me, women who believe that they're good pussy and they're Thick bodies and they curves is the reason why some men married them. You're probably really fooling yourself because it's a lot more than that. Or if not a lot more, even a lot less. But stop thinking that everything that you do sexually to capture a man is the reason why he stayed or why you won and why some woman lost. Like, especially with me when not having a ring. Has anyone ever stopped to think that maybe I'm not married? Because I'm picky, because I'm really discerning, because all around me, I've seen so many failed marriages. I got to be real. I can only name maybe about two or three examples of a marriage that I could use as a guideline for my own life. But there's a lot of 
miserably married women around me, really unhappy. You know, even in my age group, I got to put it out there. A lot of people in my age group are already on their second marriage and not even happy in that one. So why would I be in a rush to walk down the aisle just to say, oh, look, bitches, I got a ring. I'll be sugar Avery out here. I was married now. I was married. Who gives a fuck? But in the meantime, tasters, I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to explore and I'm going to keep learning and discovering new things about sex and my body that I can share with you. And that's with no shame. And speaking of shame, you will, again, need to get into certain podcasts, getting the heart of soft, so shameless, so shameless is excellent. That is another sector that Tahoe has set up of podcasts where they don't just talk about sexuality. It's about world issues, black issues, things that go on in our community. Definitely um, relationship dramas get into it. So that is So Shameless Podcast. You can find it on all the streaming platforms. And again, you can look at the uploads on YouTube and the clips on Instagram. And speaking of YouTube, there's something going on, I think, with my algorithms because I'll post things on YouTube and I've, got, I've only got a handful of followers on YouTube at Tasty Top Picks, but I noticed that no matter what I post lately, everything's stuck on like one view, two views. And I feel like that's really nuts because I know I viewed my upload and I'll speak to at least five friends to say they viewed it. So why is why are all of my posts just stuck on such a low viewership? You know, something that I need to look into again, Tasis, I'm getting this out the mud. I do this every week because it's from my heart. This is my podcast and I feel good about it. Like I really look forward to talking to you all every week because again, I've been told that I have a voice and I, I know there are things that need to be told, stories that need to be told, things that need to be heard. I know that I'm entertaining. Yes, I am popping my own collar, patting myself on the back, and I'm out here. Every Tuesday, rain, sleet, or snow, you are going to get a top pick from Stella Belafonte. And um, we're going to come to a close with this tasty top pick. But you know what? Mercury is in retrograde. Like they said, Mer- Mercury's on rollerblades, drinking Gatorade. And I spoke about this before. My dreams are so vivid. And I told the lie. I said I was going to start keeping a little pad and pen next to me to jot down the things that happen in my dream. And you know what? I'm going to make that promise to myself come true. I'm going to do that tonight. I'm going to sleep with a pad because I know I'm going to have... A dream that's so vivid. I'm having dreams that's so crazy that I'm starting to think that I'm doing that. What's that sleep where you damn near sleep with your eyes open or awake? Help me taste this. Oh, I'm usually better than this. Not lunar sleeping. Oh my God. It's a type of dream state. And they said that you can talk your body into. So you can, it's like being in between sleep and awake at the same time. And I feel like I'm experiencing that and I want to jot it down. I want to talk about it. But yeah, with this retrograde, I noticed that there's also a lot of low vibrational stuff going on around me. Like 
especially with the YouTubers and the bloggers and all of these rappers going back and forth with each other. It's just like amazing with all of their blessings and all of this money and all that everybody can think to do is just battle with each other, fight with each other, threaten each other with lawsuits. I can't believe that so many YouTubers and bloggers are just caught up in the midst of all of these lawsuits. Well, like I said, really low vibrational shit. Not talking about anything healthy, just gossiping, spreading rumors, talking shit. And um, speaking of talking shit, give me a second. <laughs> I'm going to end this. I got to give you an I know you fucking lying. We, we going to do a quick pause and I'll be right back at you. Hey, tasters, I'm back. I'm back. So again, in honor of the impending Halloween season, I'm going to end this tasty topic with I know you fucking lying. And we're going to call this one the Great Pumpkin. Well, anyway, back in the days when I was very, very young, I was dating a guy. I met him in Queens at a barbecue. Ooh, remember those days when you would be out at a friend or family member's barbecue? And in New York City, we all sit in front of the house uh, outside on the stoop. Let the grown-ups do what they do in the back while we sit outside on the stoop talking shit, telling lies, fucking around. You know, young people. Well, anyway, I met this nigga that was so fine. And I was young, young. I would say about 14. We're going to call him Jerry. So anyway, Jerry was fine, and Jerry was a heartbreaker. We exchanged numbers, and that's back then where there was no beepers, no cell phones, no nothing. It was just a phone. So Jerry and I kicked it over the phone for a while, and I think I might have went around his way once or twice just to see him. You know, we were staying outside. I don't think he could have girls in the house. Oh, yep, you know what? He could have girls at his grandmother's house. He had a mean mama that wasn't having it. But he had a very, look, there go these grandmothers. You know, grandmothers just letting their boys do whatever they do. And I went to see him at his grandmother's house in Crown Heights once or twice. And, you know, we had a nice time. Like, she was a sweet old lady. and We didn't do nothing disrespectful, but Jerry was fine as hell. Ooh. How could I? You know who Jerry looked like to me back in the days? Do you remember when Sean Wayans was DJ SW1? And he was so pretty back then. Jerry looked just like Sean Wayans in his prime. Pretty brown skin. Just beautiful features. Nice body. Worked out. And that was a big deal to me. He Jerry was actually the first boy that I had dealt with that had weights in his room. If I was 13, Jerry was 16, and he was just so cute and so fine. So anyway, you know, back then, you saw a boy here and there, especially if they lived on a different side of town than you. And then for the most part, you just stayed in contact over the phone, sometimes for a year or more. Well, anyway, maybe about a year after I met Jerry, he broke my heart, dissed me for another girl in my face. You know, um, my bestie, she was there with me. She watched me cry. You know, just diss the shit out of me. So anyway, years later, we reconnected via social media. And um, I'm lying. I got to rewind all, all the way back. All the way back. Before social media. 
Jerry dug me up. This was maybe about, I'd say five or six years after he broke my heart. I'm like, damn, he still has my number. I'm still living at home with my grandparents. So Jerry might've dug me up when I was about 19 years old. I was definitely fresh out of high school. And he said that I should come through. He was going to pay for my cab and that I should come over. His mother was out of town. Remember, I told you he had a mean, strict mother that didn't let him have girls in the house. But that his mother was out of town and then he cooked. And it was like, huh? Cook? I was so excited. He was like, yeah, we can play catch up. And I cooked and I couldn't believe it. I'm like, yes. So I called the taxi and... I couldn't wait to see him. And he was like, you know, just come upstairs and I'll pay, give you the money back when you get here. I'm like, okay, cool. So anyway, I rang the bell and he comes downstairs. And it was the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Jerry had ballooned up to close to 300 pounds. He looked like he was ready to be afloat. For the Thanksgiving Day, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And the only thing that was missing was a string around his neck. I was really insulted that this fat motherfucker would dig me up and decide that it was time for us to play catch up. And for him to be nice to me because he was now a fat ass. I was so insulted, tasters. As soon as he got downstairs, my face dropped. It was like, somebody get me out of here. And he saw my face. I didn't even try to hide it. He was like, yo, I look mad different, right? I was like, yeah, you're fat. I couldn't even hide it because, again, this was a man that broke my heart, really played me for another girl to my face. He was like, well, let's go upstairs. We'll talk. And he had become a real fat ass. I ain't going to lie to you. He was like a gourmet chef. I don't remember what he made that night, but I remember we sat at his table and we ate like it was Thanksgiving and we were drinking wine. I, I will. I do remember that. I, again, I can't remember exactly what he cooked, but I remember it was a lot of food. I can recall there was a dessert. I can remember him asking me, you like dessert? Of course I like dessert, but I don't like your fat ass. And we sat and we chat and, you know, it was just a really fat conversation about how, you know, being fat humble you. And that's what he said. I do remember him saying that like, yo, being fat, it do humble you. Yeah, you have no choice but to be humble because when you was a pretty boy looking like SW1, the DJ, you was trying to play women and girls. But now that you out here looking like one of the clumps, you want to be humble and make dinner and dessert and talk about getting back together. Well, tasters, Stella Belafonte was not interested in getting with his fat ass. And I let him down gently and I told him the truth. It was like, no, you know, I have absolutely no attraction to you. As young as I was, I wasn't afraid to say that. It was like, nah, not going to be able to do it. Remember that song? Can you do it? Not going to be able to do it. Yeah, I couldn't do it. Fat. Disgusting. I didn't like it. And um, years later, that's what I want to fast forward to. We did reconnect on social media. I probably ran into him once or twice and found him on Facebook. And he actually married that girl that he dissed me to my face for. Married her and I would laugh because they would post all these crazy pictures and 
she should have let him do all the cooking. She was posting pics that look like that crazy page on Instagram cooking for Bay, where it's like these pictures got to be parody because I know that this is not what you bragging about with this raw looking chicken and dry cornbread and tired ass green beans and ooh, look what my queen cooked for me tonight. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Jerry turned into the great pumpkin and um, thought that I was going to get with him and be with him. And it was like, I know you fucking lying. If I'm not mistaken, he and um, that chick that he dissed me for that he married that was feeding him half cooked chicken are no longer together. So that's the end of that. But yeah, that's it, tasters. I enjoyed talking to you all today. Again, I'm going to keep drilling this until you get it right. Tasty Top Picks is my life, my story, my podcast, part journal, part journalism. I'm going to talk about things that interest me. And again, if you hear about celebrities on Tasty Top Picks, it's always going to be as it applies to me and my life some way, somehow. But again, I enjoyed you all. If you have topics that you want me to touch on, remember, send them in to MizIronBox at gmail.com. That's M-I-Z-I-R-O-N-B-O-X at gmail.com. MizIronBox at gmail.com. One word. And I really enjoyed myself today. This was fun. And I thank you again to all of my new listeners, future listeners. Spread the word about me. Again, I'm getting this shit out the mud. And oh, I need to shout out my favorite down south cousin, Glam PJ. She is on me. She stays on me. She motivates me. She makes sure that I get things done that need to be done. In order for my podcast to matter. I mean it matters. But for you all to experience the best parts of Stella Belafonte. She really like gets down on me. Like no bitch you got to do it. This is what you need to do. You said you want to get it done. You like this podcast world. You're out there in it. Ain't no turning back now. Let's go. So thank you Glam PJ and Tasters. I'm out looking forward to Taco Tuesday. Like I said, I might take a walk, might jump on Seamless. I don't know. Depends on my mood. But right now, I'm going to catch me some Z's and write down my dreams. Just look at that. Bye.